Hello and welcome to episode number six of Golf Pod Kentucky. This is Ethan Fisher. Thank you for tuning in once again. This is a big one today. We have the one and only Josh Teeter joining us. First ever PGA Tour player to appear on the podcast. Hopefully the first of many. It's always a pleasure to talk to Josh and very glad that we got to visit with him and talk a little bit about some stuff on the PGA Tour and just some other stuff in the general world of golf we'll get to that briefly to start this off though let's cover some news and notes the justin thomas and gay brewer jr grants are now available they will be open for application until early april so for you junior golfers out there sometime in the next couple of months you should definitely consider applying for these if you happen to be selected then you will be able to get some grant money from the thomas or brewer families which will let you play in some tournaments that are maybe more on the expensive side and require some out-of-state travel. That's the main purpose of these, but we certainly hope that many of you will apply for them. We've done some great things for our previous recipients, and you could be the next one to receive one this year. We are teaming up with the Bloom organization to give you all the opportunity to receive some new golf bags from Sun Mountain. What we are doing with them is providing an opportunity for you to start a fundraiser that goes towards our programs, namely the Kentucky Golf Foundation, which houses our Kentucky PGA Junior Tour, Youth on Course, that kind of stuff, and then also PGA Hope, which is our program from the section side that allows veterans the opportunity to learn how to play golf thanks to some of our PGA professionals. If you start a fundraiser and amass $300, then you will get a golf bag for free. So it's kind of a you scratch our back, we'll scratch your back kind of thing. We certainly hope that you'll consider it information about it is on our website typically it's two and a half weeks after you start a fundraiser for the three hundred dollars to be earned but we hope to see some of you do that and if you do then we'll send a new golf bag your way we have a new staff member joining us at golf house kentucky sally morgan a pga professional will be joining us as a assistant executive director There was a little bit of confusion, I know. Some people thought that Mac Van Lenten was leaving. He's not. This is a second assistant executive director position that's opening, and Sally will be taking this one. It will cover more of the section and foundation side of things. She is a Mississippi State PGA Golf Management grad. She's been with the Carolinas section for the last few years as their director of marketing. We're excited to have her and welcome her aboard in the next few weeks. And then the last thing to cover, we have a Rules of Golf workshop taking place on Monday, February 22nd. It will begin at 12 o'clock Eastern Time. You do not need to register for it. There is no payment for it. It is open to anybody just looking to improve their knowledge with the Rules of Golf, whether you're a player, a golf professional, a rules official just trying to brush up on your rules knowledge. We will accept anyone and The link to this will be provided on social media and email in advance of the workshop starting. Again, it's 12 o'clock Eastern Time on Monday. 
it should already be out on social media that the link will be displayed at a certain time and then Monday morning if you are looking around we will put something up reminding you that it's going on and give you the link to join if you cannot join us at that time don't worry we will record it and save it on our website to make available for you to watch at any time down the road but this workshop will be hosted by Bill Coomer, our Director of Amateur and Professional Competitions, Ray Molman, the new Director of Professional Competitions, Brad Martin, the new Director of Amateur Competitions, Michael Vick, the new Director of Junior Golf, and then Dean Terry, who is the Vice President of the Kentucky Golf Association and one of the most well-skilled rules officials that I know. So a good group to navigate you through that. Hopefully we'll see you on Monday. But let's go ahead and get into our interview with Josh Teeter. Hope you enjoy, and this will hopefully be the second of three straight episodes where we have a professional or near-professional athlete coming on. We had Josh Rogers last week, and hopefully next week we'll have a young up-and-coming player from the women's side of Kentucky golf. There's a little sneak peek for you. But without further ado, here's Josh Teeter. Now joining us on Golf Pod Kentucky is Josh Teeter, who is fresh off of a made cut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Josh, it was a bit of a different week out of Pebble without the celebrities there. Uh, as a whole, what's it been like playing on the PGA Tour during the COVID era? Yeah, uh, first off, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it's been different for sure. Um, a lot of courses we get to see... Uh, I mean, especially Pebble Beach, getting to see the views and the vistas there with no grandstands up uh, can be uh, refreshing in one case, but obviously we need the fans out there. We need uh, the support. We need uh, everybody to come back hopefully sooner uh, rather than later and uh, just have the buzz, um, which I think kind of saw a little bit in Phoenix, uh, the little bit I watched on TV. Yeah, you can definitely tell when Jordan was making that run on Saturday at Phoenix, just how much energy the crowd brought. Forgot how much of a difference they can make during a tournament. So with the... With where you're at in your career, you're 41 years old now. Um, what are your goals week to week at this point when you play in a tournament? And then what are they going into each season now? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. I mean, obviously, I think uh, I'm going out each tournament, each time I get to tee it up. And, and my ultimate goal is to win. Um, you know, having not done that yet on the PGA Tour, um, I still think... I've got the, the talent and the, and the game to be able to do that. Um, you know, it's harder and harder to win out there these days. Uh, the, the players are so much better and younger, and there's just way more players that can win, I think, than, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So um, last year in Puerto Rico, I think I beat the field by four, but uh, Victor Hoblin beat me by one. So... Um, it's just hard to win, but that's the goal each week. Um, and then each week when I do show up, you know, I kind of have a game plan of how I'm going to prepare to be ready to potentially win that week and not overdo myself, overwork myself, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I have energy and I'm ready to go over the weekend. As for the season, I think, you know, ultimate goal is to play in Atlanta in the uh, tour championship. And you know, you know, if you get there, you're gonna, you've had a good season. 
Yeah. You know, you brought up Puerto Rico and boy, I mean that was that was about as gut wrenching of a tournament to watch I think since uh the Tom Watson Stewart Sink open at Turnberry. Like that one that one stung. And I mean, you've had several close calls, but you know, you compare that to something like twenty thirteen at Torrey Pines, you finished runner up to Tiger when he was right in the midst of one of his better seasons. Uh how do you kinda look at runner ups like those? You had one where it was right there for you and Victor just barely clipped you and then you had another one where you you finished second but you were still several shots behind Mr. Woods. Yeah, definitely. I think you those are two totally different uh weeks. Yeah, in 2013 at uh at the Farmers, you know, you kind of entered around round 3 and 4 already knowing that Tiger was up by 7 or 8. Um, and he usually doesn't relinquish those leads. So I do vividly remember we had delays. We had to play 10 holes to finish on Monday. And my goal that day was to, to try to finish second um, because he, I think he was up eight shots when we started back with 10 holes left. So I felt like if I could compete and beat everybody else, it would end up being a very good week. And uh, luckily I hit a nice wedge shot in there on 18 and birdied that hole. Um, but you know, I did have a chance uh, in Puerto Rico, and it was it was far different. Um, I do remember how, kind of struggling around the turn there, making a couple bogeys, and then I get to the I think 14th tee, and I still see that I'm tied for the lead, and I kind of got a new new life in me. Um, we knew, hey, let's just sprint to the finish here and and do our best and see where we end up. And I played pretty good um, on the way in. I just uh, just got beat by one one shot. What is that feeling like? You talked about how your goal was to finish second at that point, but when he was on at that point, what was it like playing against him in the field? Yeah, I mean, you always want to be there. You always want to have a chance. You always want to be as you know paired with him or as close to as possible. And uh, that that tournament was a little out, a little different because we had a fog delay on saturday didn't play any golf and we stayed in our same pairings for saturday or sorry the third and the fourth round which was sunday and monday so you know there wasn't any repairings there wasn't a chance to maybe get paired with him sunday but anytime he's around you know the buzz is a little different um when there are fans around and um you know we can't thank him enough for what he's done for all of us. So in that 2013 season, you played in three of the four majors that year. You were at Marion, Muirfield, and Oak Hill, and you made the cut in all three of them. And since then, you haven't quite been able to get back to a major, but how is the atmosphere different when you compete in one of those championships compared to your regular PJ Tour event? Yeah, I mean, it's far different. Um uh, the, you know, those venues have been waiting for seven, eight years, ten years, you know, knowing that, hey, we're hosting this event. And uh, the crowds come out in, in groves. You know, the practice days are very, uh, you know, there's a lot of fans there on the practice days and, and through the tournament, as as people have seen at Valhalla when they host the PGA. Um it's just, you know, you kind of got to up. Everything steps up just a little bit. You know, you got to play a little bit better. The course is a little bit tougher. The conditions can be tougher. And um, I did make all three cuts in those. And uh, I, I firmly believe that won't be my last three. Um, so 
still working toward getting back to them and uh hopefully it'll be before too long we'll be teeing it up again yeah now obviously augusta is the one that is missing from there and it's a huge cherry on top when you went on tour how much does that kind of weigh in your mind about getting to play in the masters at some point yeah i mean i've been to augusta lucky enough to play um just you know as a two-day trip in in the fall but uh obviously i feel like it'd be great to go play uh in the tournament meaning you know you've earned your way either through winning a tournament or a very very good season uh you know on the pga tour getting to the tour championship so um obviously still an ultimate goal of mine and uh hopefully uh it's gonna happen before too long i hope so I want to talk to you about the different kinds of pressure that you feel when you play in a PGA Tour event. So I'm going to give you three different scenarios here. Let's say it's a 10-foot birdie putt on the 18th hole in either case. You've got a putt to win a tournament, you've got a putt to make a cut, and you've got a putt to keep your tour card. Which of those three offers the most pressure, and what's the mindset behind each of them? Hmm. Well, I think uh, if I was in the proper mindset, and as sports psychologists like to tell you, they should all be the same, but I think I don't think there's any way they can be. No. I would have to say the most pressure would probably be, you know, to keep your card, number one. Um, and then I think the next maybe is to make the cut and then, you know, the one to win the tournament. Uh, I just feel like, you know, when you're playing well and you've got a chance to win a tournament, you're confident in everything you're doing. And to be there in that position, you've you've obviously made a lot of putts that week. You've been doing well. And I think if you just trust what you've done, it comes a little easier. Um, whereas, you know, if you're on the cut line, you're probably not playing your best. You're struggling a little bit. And you haven't seen as many of those go in that week. And that, uh, that may lead to more pressure in that certain situation. So let's talk about just the general quality of play on the PGA Tour. You're one of the best players that the state of Kentucky has ever produced, yet I was looking at it. It's hard to believe the highest you've been ranked in the world is 98th, and you know, like we've talked about, you're still looking to get that first win. Mm-hmm. Just how, how would you tell people how much different it is playing on the PGA Tour compared to playing against a scratch golfer in a club championship? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I just think everybody on the PGA Tour has the potential to win um, if they haven't already done it, you know? Um, it's just the fine lines. I mean, we saw this past week in, at uh, AT&T, Daniel Berger win. I mean, he made four eagles that week. Um, Jordan Spieth hold out from the fairway, you know, for eagle twice with like eight irons you know so i mean you can't really you can play your best and get beat i I guess that's the easiest way to say it um and vice versa like there's some weeks where you feel like you don't play as well and you know you end up with a chance to win or you know a much higher finish than you feel like you did when you played well 
I just think that's like you said, the depth of the players on the tour is so much stronger maybe than it was 20 years ago. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a crazy game, and it's uh, you just got to do the best that you can do each day, each shot, and uh, hopefully that adds up to where you want to be. Well, one part that certainly plays a big role in that right now is driving distance and Mm. there's obviously a lot of talk about what's going to happen with equipment based on what the usga and rna end up deciding to do so you're 189th on tour and driving distance right now how do you stand on what should happen and whichever way they end up going how is it going to affect you I think the longest hitter is still going to be the longest hitter, no matter what they do. Um, it's still going to kind of be relative, you know, but maybe that gives guys that don't hit it as far but are more accurate with irons a better chance or a more equal playing field. But I just don't – it's not something I see that needs to be done. I feel like the game of golf is very healthy right now. People are watching. Um, I think the people that tune in to watch tournaments – like to see what they're seeing you know maybe not the the people that are golf enthusiasts and are really follow the game and really love the game of golf itself and aren't just tuning in to be entertained but you know seeing a guy hit one 350 over the corner and i mean that's probably pretty entertaining to, to turn on the tv and see that um versus a guy hitting the six iron out of the middle of the fairway i just don't see i I mean i don't know that it needs to go any further than it has right now um but you can't with technology with the track man with with the ball the way it is i mean guys have figured out how to maximize what they can do and i think that's part of the game um if you can do what bryson's done i mean i never probably would have done that or thought about doing that but hats off to him you know he's he's found a way to attack the game in a different way that i think has more has more people watching yeah with the state of kentucky right now you justin and jb kind of those mainstays on the pga tour kind of spearheading this era of kentucky golf and you've got several guys who are kind of right on the brink of making it on tour, kind of fluttering between Corn Ferry and stuff like the Canadian Tour. Mm-hmm. How would you evaluate the state of the game in Kentucky right now compared to you know 15 or 20 years ago when you were coming out on tour? Yeah, I mean, I think from what I can tell, you know, we've had a pretty good run of, of good players in the state. Um, you know, to be a smaller state and not really known for its golf, I feel like we've had a pretty good impact on the world of golf. Um, you go, you know, Gabe Brewer, you know, to win the Masters. And we got, um, you know, obviously Kenny Perry and Russ Cochran and Steve Flesh. And then, you know, JB and Justin and myself. And obviously now you got Chip and Steven Stallings and Cooper Musselman that are, I think you're referring to, kind of making the way. And then... Uh, even the guys that are playing college golf now. I mean, Alex Goff there at UK has done some pretty good stuff from what I've seen. Um, winning the State AM and winning the ter- first tournament he played in, in college this year. So, 
And, and even the schools, you know, obviously like my alma mater, Moorhead, and I see EKU back there behind you. Um, there's just more guys that can play, and, uh, you know, they're getting more competition, and I think it's, it's good for, for the game of golf in the state of Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. And something that's near and dear to both you and me in terms of growing that is youth on course you've got the logo on your sleeve every time you're out on tour how did that partnership with them formulate yeah so it really formulated more with uh, your former guest jimmy kirchdorfer you know it's great to follow him on here <laughs> anytime you can follow jimmy you're doing something well but Amen. uh he uh you know, Isco is one of my sponsors uh, as well, and uh, we just had a conversation, and he was telling me about what Youth on Course was and what it did, and um, we just kind of decided, hey, let's put that on my sleeve as well. Um, and to know that, hey, got, kids are getting to go play golf for a very minimal price and uh, on great courses is awesome. You know, I know the first tee is also a great um organization but i think this is kind of the next step to get the get the kids on the golf course and learn to play and compete and uh you know they're they're headquartered out there in monterey uh youth on courses and i got to meet with jeff clark a little bit last mm -hmm. week and just chit chat a little bit about how things are going and uh it's, uh, it's a great organization have you gotten to do any activities or events with them or do you have anything lined up in the future with them I have, you know, uh, I haven't done the pro-am there in Valhalla, you know, living down in Georgia. Um, I haven't been able to make it back up there because I think I've kind of been out in the Reno area mm. for a tour event every time that comes up. But uh, hopefully I'll be involved with that this year and then, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we can put something together even more down the road. Yeah, when the schedule falls, I think you're right. Reno is right around that time frame. Eventually, when when it's on an off week, we'll have to get you out to Valhalla. Certainly love to have you. Sounds great. Yeah. I do want to talk about one of my coworkers, someone who you know pretty well, Bill Coomer, and the fact that he'll be retiring in the next couple of months. Um, how well have you gotten to know Bill back from your days when you were playing state opens and stadiums out here, and what's uh, what's his influence been on the Kentucky golf world, do you think? Yeah, I, I have seen that he, he is retiring here, like you said, and... Uh, you know, it's been quite a few years since I've played in any of those events, yeah. but uh, I'll always remember, you know, he was always the utmost professional and kind of was always there to help when he needed him um, anytime on the golf course or off the golf course. Um, and, you know, I actually was a rules official during my college years on the junior tour and I probably learned a little bit from him, you know, as being a player and interacting with him. Hopefully I could, you know, do the same uh, when someone came to me. But, uh, you know, can't can't say any, anything bad about Bill Coomer. He was always great to me and uh, great to the whole state of Kentucky and running uh, the, all the events he has over the years. Uh, I don't know how many events he's run, but... Uh, a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he sure put in his time, and uh, yeah, I hope he enjoys his retirement for sure. Let's uh, 
let's start to wrap this up here. We're going to do our rapid fire segment, and I'm just going to give you five questions that I've got jotted down here. You don't have to give an explanation or a reason, just the first thing that comes into your head. So the first one, what is your favorite PGA Tour event? Colonial. When you get your tee times for Thursday and Friday, who are the two guys that you would most like to see you be paired with? That's a tough one, I know. Yeah. Well, I like to play with fast players, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man. I'll just go... uh, too hard to pick (laughs) I'm going way back in my time but he's not even playing anymore Chris Riley I remember playing with him he was super I mean it pops into my head is what I've recently been paired with (laughs) (laughs) if I stumped you I'll move on to another one for you yeah I mean there's no like blown away answers okay uh to the point you were making um pace of play issues on the pga tour are they overrated underrated or properly rated overrated what is the hardest course on the pga tour well i think the hardest one i played is not on the schedule anymore but was congressional Mm. who is the most underrated golfer in the world right now underrated Webb Simpson, I think. Last one. When you win, not if, but when you win, what tournament is it going to be? Well, let's just go ahead and say Puerto Rico next week. (laughs) Perfect. Love the confidence. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, what does your upcoming schedule look like? Where are we going to see you next besides Puerto Rico? Yeah, so Puerto Rico next week, and then... uh, weeks off i'll have the honda monday qualifier in there that i'm gonna try and then uh punta cana uh dominican republic event and after that uh i mean being in the 126 to 150 category the schedule kind of picks me you know Mm. um i feel like i was looking through there um and i should get counting those two i just mentioned maybe 10 more starts um before the end of the season so um might be a little break after those uh, i know i'm playing in uh the zurich uh team event with sep straka so that's on the schedule for sure and then obviously i'll be at the uh barbersaw there in the barracuda all the all the opposite field events and uh i think i'll get into detroit and uh what else? Minnesota, John Deere, those those events as well. Canadian Open. Nice. Kind of what I'm shooting for. Gotcha. Well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on here. Anytime in the future you want to come on and talk about something, vent about something or whatever, <laughs> we'd be more than happy to have you. But thank you again for coming on today, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on here down the road. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Ethan. And maybe I'll figure out who I want to get paired with by then. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right, Josh. Take care, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye.